Life was so much easier when all somebody had to do was dig out a missing piece of paper that had arrived through the post to answer your question. Now questions just go ignored for weeks and months on end. Hello and welcome to No Accounting for Tech, the podcast all about the technology powering the accountancy profession with me, Tom Herbert. Now that quote I read out at the beginning there uh, in a silly voice um, was was about life in the accounting profession. And the quote was left just a couple of weeks ago in response to an opinion piece I put on the site, which tried to answer the question, is technology actually helping accountants. So joining me on the podcast to discuss this, the latest developments from Zero's Sydney conference and HMRC's latest attempts to upset agents with a change to VAT authorization, we have a trio of accounting tech titans. Um, first up, making her uh, No Accounting for Tech pod debut and, and dialing up dialing in all the way from Australia. It's uh, the accountant, columnist, author, and, and host of the Cloud Stories podcast. It's Heather Smith. Hi, Heather. Hi. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me on the show. Really looking forward to it. Oh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. And um, joining Heather from slightly closer to Pod HQ here in Bristol, it's Liverpool's own Nicola Mason, who's Managing Director at Point Accounting and Contractor Unlimited. Hi, Nicola. Hi Tom, thank you for having me today. No, oh, it's it's a pleasure. And uh, completing our our triangle of tech talkers for the day, it's another representative from the northwest, although slightly further north, um, I think, than Liverpool. It's it's uh, John Toon, tech advisory lead at Beaver and Struthers, and co-host of Digitools for a Cruel World podcast, which I noticed had just returned to the airwaves, John. Um, yes, thanks for that, Tom. We're, we are back, and uh, I think yeah, I'm just a touch further north than Nicola, but only only just, and it uh, it just makes the rain fall a little bit heavier. That's all. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Now, um, yeah, I, I I teased a chunky topic um, at the top there, so um, let's let's get into that. in In the column that I I posted a couple of weeks ago, I. I posed the question, is technology helping accountants? And I think the conclusion I'd come to was was yes, but not fast enough to keep up with this, this wave of compliance um, change that the profession is experiencing. Um, Heather, you, you've obviously um, sort of had a, had a career in accounting and technology. What, what are your thoughts about this? Look, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, the number one place that um, cyber criminals will attack is the ATO portal here in Australia. And um, so there's a lot of workflow headaches into trying to get into that, which um, filters back into lots of slowness in actually dealing with the ATO um, and headaches and ripples, etc. So we can do it. We can put the training in place, we can put the tech in place, but there's other things that we have to deal with. Fantastic. Thanks, Heather. John, um, what, what are your thoughts around the issue? Um, I think um, I think I agree to some extent with, with the comments that you made in, in, in the column, Tom, is that uh, you know, technolo- technological change uh, you know, is, is happening reasonably quickly for us. And, and I think one of the things that you find in the accountancy space, it tends to come in waves. So, you know, Wind back almost 15 years and we had the big cloud accounting sort of revolution if you like with bank feeds and then the, the increasing levels of automation that came about with, with things like the, the ecosystem of apps and 
OCR technology, et cetera. And now we're kind of in the next phase of, of increased automation and the use of AI. Um, I think that the, the challenge, of course, is that, you know, as was said in the column, is that the compliance requirements for accountants, uh, bookkeepers is only ever increasing, you know, um, and, and also it's just natural, I think, it, when, uh, you know, whenever you have a do something that saves you time, whether that's a piece of technology, whether it's improving the way that you work, whether that's finding a different way of being more efficient or, or even passing the work off to someone else, for example, is that you always find a way of filling in that time, irrespective of, um, of, of whatever you're doing. So this kind of Valhalla of, uh, you know, not working a 60-hour week and maybe chopping that down to, to a 40-hour week, um, you know, the reality is, is if you're used to working a 60-hour week and you, you're, you're, you're continuously filling the gap, and most accountancy firms, most bookkeeping firms are continuing to grow in terms of client base, the, uh, the services that they offer, it's only natural that you're going to kind of keep hitting this kind of equilibrium of, of never really releasing that time to, to kind of do something more personal. And um, I think that's always the, the interesting challenge with technology providers is that they often sell um, on a uh, you know a return of investment, which is, oh, look, you know, put this piece of technology in and we will save you 15 hours a week. Uh, and just imagine what you could do with that time. Well, I, I can Im- immediately imagine what I'd do with that time. It's more work. It's not it's not going to sit on the beach or, or whatever else it, you know, I'd like to do. Oh, Barrow. Barrow's a nice beach, isn't it, John? Nice, yeah. um, <laughs> not too bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nicola, you, you deal with a, um, <clears throat> a sort of variety of clients, but, but a lot on the sort of smaller side. Um, how, how do you think the sort of tech revolutions impacted on them? I mean, do you, do you find yourself doing a lot of fairly repetitive coaching on on these new pieces of tech you're implementing? Is it, is it fairly straightforward? How how has it sort of impacted on, on your workplace? Well, because when I first came into contract there, it was mainly contractors. They never used any software. So some of them didn't even know how to use a computer, for example. So now that I've got them all within, we see software on the phone, they don't have to bring in their bin bags anymore. It massively reduces the time and the money they have to spend, but they don't mind them paying a little bit extra for software because the bookkeeping side just reduced massively. So it's overhauled our team. We have grown, but we haven't had to grow as many staff members to cover the work because the client work just reduced massively down, so there's always space. But all the different pieces of tech has it's been amazing for our, our staff members and our team. Because I remember when I worked in industry, I used to manually type up bank statements. I mean, that's unheard of now. If somebody said to me, I'm going to type up this bank statement, I'd be like, no, you're going to use this and you're going to convert it. It just changed the way accountants work, I think. And you don't mind paying a bit more for that. You know, that's time saves it. I agree with John said though, it just makes you fill the time with more work, but at least you're working on your business in that time rather than wasting it, typing up a bank statement or typing up a receipt. There's recent um industry report that Zero published um that was sort of talking about tech adoption um and, and the sort of various aspects it took. And one quite interesting thing that I'd I'd pick out was that they they mentioned that well well firms and particularly sort of larger firms were adopting sort of cloud tools like Xero they they often weren't adopting some of the quite basic functionality you know they, they weren't hooking up the bank feeds and and things like that um Heather, Heather do you think 
do you think that's to do with education or, or, or sort of size of firm? What, what's going on there, do you think? Look, that's it's completely bizarre to me. Um, and I think that is down to education. And I know that initially in the early days that would happen and people didn't hook up a bank feed or didn't have access to a bank feed. And I would be like, if you want the benefit, you need to change banks. And I would try and get um, um, the bank feeds happening elsewhere and et cetera. But yeah, I, I, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why people would go down that route if they're not getting the full benefit. Uh, John, do you have a larger firm perspective on this? Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I read the, the Zero report with interest and there was some, um, uh, you know, I think the analysis that they have is, is quite interesting and, and the way that they, they find large firms is also quite interesting. But I guess from, from my point of view, if I go back to the early days of when we started to roll out Zero to clients, is that it wasn't actually possible to get things like bank feeds in place for some of those clients with the banks that they were with, particularly if they were with, uh, you know, with a bank that had sort of um, you know, their corporate or commercial banking, because it was quite often just the fairly basic business banking accounts that were available in feed. So that that is one of the challenges, and and I guess the 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 issue for firms is that if uh, particularly larger firms, if they don't have a dedicated resource kind of responsible for cloud and and uh, you know cycling background to looking at feeds, looking at technology and the connections. That, that's where you tend to find that they kind of have this one hit of getting clients off desktop products into the cloud, but they're not necessarily cycling back around to kind of then leverage further benefits. Um, and that's particularly prevalent if you're only kind of offering a compliance service and not kind of the ongoing services. Typically, I would say smaller firms uh, that have adopted cloud are, are doing in terms of you know, more regular bookkeeping, management accounts, strategic advice, et cetera. Good stuff. Uh, one, well, I round off this particular um topic by sort of maybe citing an article I was reading recently about how uh, I think it was it, it had the rather clickbaity title of uh, AML is destroying the world um, which was uh, yeah I think coming at it from a financial services uh, perspective perhaps more than a, a pure accountancy one but um, yeah I, I guess it's a bugbear that's come up on the site over and over again about um, just the sheer volume of change and, and the sheer volume of paperwork that accountants are having to deal with. Uh, Nicola, from, from your perspective, um, I mean, from an AML point of view, is 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 your workload increasing on that score? And, and how do you think tech can help with that? I, I just don't agree with the comment, really. The AML side of it, it's just like a tick box exercise. As long as we get the pieces of information, we wouldn't sign a client up without it. So... Maybe it's because I don't remember what it was like before because maybe I've been in business since 2015. So maybe it was a lot easier in the past. But since I've been doing what I've been doing, it's easier now that we've got online software to do it. So it doesn't feel like a drain on resources. But, I mean, maybe John's got a different perspective. He's probably going to be in business a lot longer than me. And I'm not sure what it's like in Australia, Heather. <laughs> but AML, to me, is just a part of the onboarding process and I don't feel like it's, it's a pain. How's the AML burden? Do, do accountants uh, feel that perhaps as keenly um, in Australia? I think our requirements are significantly less and um, people uh, mention it, grab a solution, implement a solution and they all seem very happy with the solution working. But I do feel that our requirements are significantly less than what your requirements are. 
Okay, interesting stuff. Thank you all. Um, so let's move on now. Um, well, move move to sort of home home territory for you, Heather. Um, ZeroCon recently had their their big annual show um, down in uh, was it Sydney, Heather? Sydney, yes. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, thousands of thousands of accountants, bookkeepers, finance professionals, all sort of descending there for ZeroCon, and obviously with these conferences come the sort of wave of press releases announcing um, various various bits and pieces. Um, are you able to just um, give us a quick run through of anything that took your eye as a, as a seasoned Zero watcher? So ZeroCon was a very enjoyable event to go to um, and uh, it was very well, very uh, well done, um, really enjoyed myself. Um, everything that sort of came out was flavoured with AI, as you can imagine. Um, as with AI, the stuff that came out isn't necessarily quite there yet. Um, and perhaps that's part of the learning and the training process that it does does uh, get to something that's actually in a usable format. So they did um, announce um, an improvement. AI will be in the short-term cash flows and help with the prediction of recurring invoices and billings and payments. So that's something sort of that that will be useful in the analytical area. Um, they did talk about some um, um, uh, deeper Stripe integrations, but that's not happening um, yet. Um, the, they are using AI in the help desk, but it, I tested it and it wasn't quite there yet. It just was a bit clunky and clumsy. But I, I was an early user of ChatGPT and it, it has you know, it, it almost improves daily. Like you can feel and see the improvement daily. So I imagine the same thing is going to help happen with the help desk and uh, putting AI in, and and, and uh, uh, sort of some the, the large language models into help desk is a perfect example of somewhere where it can um, um, particularly help. But there wasn't a huge number of... Um, releases that caught my eye. Um, Plan Day, the payroll solution, has hospitality award in it now, but that doesn't impact anyone in the UK. But it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll maybe come back to the the whole sort of innovation new products and services in a moment but uh yeah there were was there some some news about workflow max obviously there was um an announcement um a little while ago about that yeah a little while ago, Workflow Max, um, um, they announced that it is going to end um, and, and be discontinued. And um, a company um, called Blue Rock has uh, uh, purchased the name and is building a solution to um, um, mirror and take um, clients and support them that way. But there are a number of other solutions out there who um, are, are, are up and running right now who can assist you with that process. So if you're sitting on Workflow Max, um, you really need to start thinking, really really start now thinking about moving um, onto other solutions now. Um, and you've got WorkGuru, ProjectWorks, um, Asana, a, a number of, even Zoho Books I saw advertising the other day was offering to do it. I'm not sure how many people are using WorkGuru in in uh, um, the UK, 
but uh, you do need to be thinking. <laughs> you do need to be thinking about it now and, and get that movement happening. And a lot of the um, solutions, I know WorkGuru a bit closer than the other ones, you can plug and play and it will just suck the information out and put it into the right places. Migration, there, that was the technical term for that. The, the, a lot of the migrations have been built in. Brilliant. Thanks, Heather. Um, John, Nicola, you're both uh, um, experienced zero users. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on, the, on the announcements and the, the sort of sprinkling of AI through everything? Um, I, think, I think for me, I mean, the, the sprinkling of AI was inevitable. Um, you, and and let's, let's not forget that zero already has AI in, in what they do. You know, they've got machine learning as part of the bank feed process in terms of recognizing how things are categorized and obviously linking up um, uh, you know, receipts and payments to, to invoices and bills. Um, but, but, you know, this, this announcement, I guess, comes off the back of pretty much every software product in the entire world saying that they're going to have some kind of AI implementation. And clearly, you know, I guess if you kind of make QuickBooks, you know, Intuit, their biggest competitor, they've, they've made a real song and dance about the utilization of AI, uh, you know, both, both currently and in the, in the past. Um, other than that, a lot of the announcements that were made, uh, as Heather said, were, were kind of, they're all just so-so. Um, and and you know, the, the one or two sort of notable sort of minor improvements are all relatively you know, localized to either the Australian market. Um, and, and interestingly, the only thing that, that caught my eye, but it wasn't announced at ZeroCon, but was announced in the US roadshows, was the, uh, the, the, the sort of creeping implementation of locate, soft, uh, locate software's uh, features into Xero. Um, so Locate Software was the uh, inventory stock management product that Xero bought, uh, I think it was last year now, um, and, and they're effectively now building that in. So they've got this inventory plus feature that's uh, coming into the US product only at the moment, uh, but hopefully will then be released worldwide. And again, that kind of puts them on a par with, I guess, old Sage 50 desktop with the, with the stock, stock management features, Equally with QuickBooks, because QuickBooks have a, uh, a, a, I can't remember what it's now, is it QuickBooks Premium or Advanced? I can't remember what it's called now that has um, has stock management features in there from their, their historic acquisition of Trade Gecko. So, um, you know, that, that is probably a significant area of weakness in the existing Zero product, if you like, in terms of stock and inventory management. Adding locate features into that bolsters that significantly and actually would be really appealing to some of our clients. I was just going to say, AI is very exciting. Um, I always jump on something new when Zero invents something new or brings something new in. But yeah, I didn't use Workflow Max. I hadn't used it, although I was going to start using it for a client until I heard that they were discontinuing. So I thought that's not worth looking into. But when I go to account text this week, there's some things I'm going to get Zero to go through with. But I haven't really got on with Zero Texture. I don't really like it. So there's certain things I want them to improve on that. To be able to start using that to its full advantage as well, and I think I think this is one of the things is that there's there's a very clear differentiation, if you like, between um, you know, the product features and feature sets that are prevalent in now the different territories that Zero own. Uh, you know, so in Australia, for example, your know, Workflow Max or Zero Practice Management, you know, very prevalent as a product over there, used by a lot of practices, used by a lot of businesses, really hasn't touch the surface in, in the UK and certainly not in other territories. Um, and, and that then has an implication in terms of zero tax. Very, very big again in Australia, you know, uh, almost essential to be used, you would say. Whereas here you can, you can take it or leave it. Um, and, and, and 
uh, it doesn't have the kind of feature sets that enable certainly larger firms and, and even for some smaller firms to kind of really take advantage of the, um, the, 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 the integration that it offers and the workflows and everything else and, and, and then the, the general output out the other side. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that's just because things are more complex in the UK than the Australia. I can't imagine that they genuinely, genuinely are, or whether that's just because you know the software landscape looks so different because um, you know it, it is it is much more um, uh, broad brush in terms of what practices do in terms of their approach of compliance software, practice management software integrations, etc. And I think that's a real challenge, not just for Zero but for other players in the market. On a wider point, and um, obviously. Uh, Zero have gone to this uh, sort of global model with with their conferences now, rather than having three a year. Um, I think I think there's there's Sydney this year, and then they're in London and um, Nashville. Yes, Nashville <laughs> <laughs> next year. Um, but is it? I mean, with with Zero's size now, they've obviously scaled up enormously. Um, over the past few years and it it used to be that they would have their sort of steve jobs and one more thing you know the 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 full colombo at the end of every keynote where they'd announce a big new product but yeah as i I said the sort of the new the fancy new things have kind of slowed down i mean i mean i i I hesitate to use the word incumbent because zero's press people is i mean they're all very lovely but every time i use that phrase i i get a little tap on the shoulder we we don't really like that term tom um you know uh that's when when they're not dealing with uh the trent inner's uh, coffee cup story that seems to appear every, every couple of months and go viral but um yeah, uh, I mean, is it fair to expect a market leader to continue to, to sort of innovate at pace and produce new products and services? I mean, particularly when they're sort of still trying to sort of consistently make a profit. I mean, what what, what are your thoughts, Heather? Well, I've cleaned a coffee cup in front of Trent Innes. <laughs> and um, I think, yes, and I think that... Um, <laughs> If you look at zero, what's happening, if we sort of move from the technical side, they have had a massive number of redundancies and a lot of the leadership has shifted from Australia, New Zealand to America um, and they have got a new chief product officer and a lot of people told me, um, that's Diva Jolly, that she's very good and that she is very into listening and delivering. So um, I, I think... Um, if we if we go back eight ten years, um, Intuit was asleep while um, Zero released what it did, and it really was like, wow, this is very exciting, and made the world quite exciting. Intuit should never have been asleep then; it shouldn't needed to be woken up. And what they're doing, at least they're doing something in the leadership. Um, and 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 Sekinder has come in, and she's made some really big changes. And I'm not, I'm I'm sad that some of the changes that have happened, but um, in, in in the loss of those people who are very very good people, but the leadership team um, um, is looking very strong. And um, I I think that we are going to see different things rolling out over the next few years, hopefully. Fantastic. Thanks, Heather. Um, so yeah, moving on to our, our third topic, third and final topic for the pod. Um, this is around the uh, thrilling topic of uh, 
uh, agent authorization. Um, as I say, Heather, Heather, for a variety of eccentric reasons, um, the agent community here have two separate agent online accounts with different login details. So uh, the, 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 the ASA, you manage um, your VAT, uh, capital gains tax on UK property, various bits, and then, then the older um, online services agents account, uh, OSAA, which covers um, self-assessment, corporation tax, PAA, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, so it's, 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 it's a, a big bugbear of agents. But um, from October, um, agents will no longer be able to copy their client's authorization from the old system to the new system, and they'll have to obtain new VAT authorization for existing clients via a digital handshake, um, even if they're already authorized to deal with their filing. filing sorry. Um, so, John, uh, have your firms managed to copy your authorizations across? Um, I mean, how much? How much of a bother was it? Um, so we have not copied all of our authorizations across, and frankly, it's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> um, and and it's a, it's a nightmare for a multitude of reasons. Um, one is you know we we are a larger firm. Our history means that we've we've kind of grown through a mixture of acquisition and organic growth, which means that you know along the way we've had um, you know agent authorizations for differing offices. Uh, differing people and things like that, and so actually, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of an administrative nightmare, you know. So for example, you know, we have, uh, I think we have three payroll agent uh, you know, sets of credentials uh, for for effectively what was three separate firms, VAT very similar, um, and and it's um, yeah, so it's a real it's a real challenge, um, and and then the other issue, of course, is that from the, the, the big difference between the old system and the new, although it has changed in recent years, is that effectively on the new system, on the agent services account, you can effectively have individual user access, which on the old account, it used to be just a generic, you know, share the share the, the numbers and the passwords around the office kind of thing, and everyone everyone used the same thing to log in. And and it's obviously clearly, clearly much better having individual user logins on the agent services account, but that also creates its own administrative headaches when you've got 250 people potentially to add to that and then provide permissions, controls, access to the relevant things that are relevant to their clients. Um, and, and yeah, so frankly, the whole thing's a nightmare. Um, it, it, it would be much more preferable if those authorizations just transferred across. It'd be much more preferable if all of the authorizations were electronic, although that doesn't always serve its purpose and you still end up reverting to paper and doing bits and pieces. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, we're still in the midst of a, uh, let's be kind, a transition period between an old, a very old, let, let's pretend we're on like an old legacy system, which is you know, running to its end of life and we're about to launch onto something and shiny which will solve all of our problems but we've not quite got over the over the cusp of 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 having all of those problems solved and nicola how are you how are you finding it uh, how how are the, uh, the 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 sort of digital ha- digital handshakes going well to be honest when mtd came in we did the ball on that day the ones that we already had and then as new clients have come on board we've applied for both at the same time because obviously you have to wait a few weeks for the client to get the code the old account but the new account obviously if they've got a VAT return pending 
the new account you get instant access to as long as you click the link and you know, accept you. So we have always applied for both at the same time. So we haven't got the nightmare that John's going through of having to transfer people over. However, we haven't gone through acquisitions and stuff. We're going through our first one now. So I don't know how that's going to work because it's a completely different company. We're going to be transferring them. So we'll probably just do them both at the same time as we've been doing. But to be fair, I automatically thought that once MCD came in, you couldn't do that anymore. So we've just gone through the motions of two applications every time a client's been onboarded. So we haven't had the pain point that other people are complaining about, really. Sorry, John. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I mean, I, I think I think it's I think sometimes it's down to process, and I think you know, again, you know, we are a larger firm, so we are a bit more departmentalized, and so our approach to engaging with the HMRC and getting agent authorization, for example, is probably a bit more fractured as well. So it's not all it's not all at HMRC's door, unfortunately. Um, but uh, but I I do I do think it would be it, you know there are ways that both of the systems, the current one and the older one, could be made much more accessible and much more user friendly for creating users for managing users um, and uh, you know it's just not there and, and like I say when you're dealing with people at volumes it, it's it's incredibly time consuming and of course when something becomes time consuming given what we were talking about earlier on you just kind of you you, you have to prioritize what's important and what's not and, and unfortunately sometimes agent services accounts and access to, to, to those things are, are only important for a key set of individuals and and um, you're dealing with transfer of authorizations is not always critical because you know there, there are other ways that you can deal with these problems as well and Heather in terms of the Australian system of uh, you know becoming authorized for a client you're going to tell us it's really straightforward aren't you uh yeah your system sounds like a nightmare <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry guys um I don't spend a lot of time doing this because fortunately I failed tax numerous times and um, I'm more of a management accountant than a, than a tax accountant. Um, but the registration process, as long as the ATO portal, uh, which is frequently called the pothole, um, is up, then the process is not that hard. Yeah. So. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, Heather. Um, all right. On, on that note, uh, I'm afraid we have run out of time for the day. Thank you so much to Heather, Nicola and John for joining us. And thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a, a regular No Accounting for Taste podcast. But uh, in the meantime, um, for everything on your accounting world, we're accountingweb.co.uk. Bye for now. 